1: Um, so anyway, uh, Ralph, who are you? Introduce yourself again to everybody watching you. That's on your site.
0: (laughs) My, (laughs) my name is Ralph. I go by the, uh, the fake pen name of DSO, which stands for dad starting over. And I've been, uh, writing, uh, for years and here recently in the last, oh, I don't know, six, eight months or so. I've been doing more and more video, including TikTok and Facebook and YouTube and all that stuff. Um, I've authored books, I have a a men's only private group, and um, I've sold hundreds of thousands of books, most of them on the topic of sex and marriage, with a a title called The Dead Bedroom Fix, that's how most people know me, and uh, I've written on the topic of divorce and fidelity and... Uh, sex and marriage going to
1: new orleans right aren't you going to new orleans for your bro we have uh,
0: yeah we have our little uh, for the private men's group that i talked about the dso fraternity is what it's called we have uh, in-person meetups uh, like an annual conference with all of our members. And we've done it in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas. And next year we are all meeting in New Orleans, Louisiana. So that's going to be cool. We're hoping Dr. Um, Dr. Psych, Mom could join us and put on a little chat. True. I got to I-
1: check I- out I- all my cool kids' tournament schedules because that's how I roll, man, at this <laughs> juncture. <laughs> Um, I'm a clinical psychologist in private practice and I work with couples and adults and everybody about relationships, sex, um, family issues, just like anything you would talk to a therapist about except I do not work with kids at this stage because I have three kids and I don't need to work with any more kids. I got to save my patients for the kids that I have. Um, And so I also, my whole thing is Dr. Psych Mom and you can follow me on TikTok. And anybody who's watching, please do send likes, send likes for this so that more people can see it. You have no idea how difficult this was for Ralph and I to get this started today. (laughs) It was very tough. We tried to do this spontaneously. That was our first mistake. That should never happen. It needs to be planned multiple weeks in advance.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) With Um... trial runs. And if any of you have any questions for me and DSO about you know, relationships or sex or marriage or men and women or any topics like that, then certainly send us your questions in the comments. That would be great. if I have, anybody- a, I have a
0: question for you. Samantha. Oh,
1: cool.
0: Um, I didn't mention this in my little intro that I do what's called coaching, which is basically guys just pay me for my time to talk about stuff. And I will be the first to raise my hand to say, I am not a licensed a uh, medical professional or mental health professional of any kind not a nothing I'm just a dude who wrote a book and everybody liked it and said can I talk to you and back years ago I decided to start charging for my time and it's gotten to be to the point where it's so much um demand for the service that I actually have uh, nine other dudes Who are helping me out on the dad starting over team that talk to guys just around the clock basically from around the world so pretty cool but also kind of sad if you think about it so my question to you samantha though is um and this is something that i've struggled with a vulnerable moment is keeping my cool my sanity my uh centeredness whatever you want to call it after talking and hearing so many sad sob stories day after day after day and eventually you know you hear the same ones again and again you know, for sure. psych- psychologists for years have been categorizing people into personality traits and attachment styles and everything else. You start recognizing patterns and you hear the same shit yeah. over and over again, and it wears on you. And uh, I've been very open about the fact that uh, I will talk to a guy. And if it's really bad, I-, I have to put an hour between meetings or else it's just too much. And sometimes they're so bad, I literally have to go lay down and recharge and just be like, Sigh. Cause you know, you hear some, you hear some stuff, you know, better than anybody. So how is it that you stay centered and able to be a good mom and wife after dealing with all this horse shit all day long?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, like I see seven now, and this is less than ever before, but I see seven clients a day and I go back to back so that I only do during school hours. So I go every 45 minutes from like nine fifteen to like three seven or eight people a day Ooh. every day. Yeah. Except now, Fridays, and I start a little late on Wednesdays, Mondays, but uh, it used to be in COVID, it used to be like uh, like 10 or 11, you know, clients a day, which was insane, which is why I started my practice. I mean, it's called compassion fatigue, and it's like a number one source of burnout is when you keep hearing you know, sad things and you have to be there. And I mean, you know, coaching, like you don't have necessarily like certain, obviously you have to be present with your people, but I mean, I have to take certain notes and I have to provide certain treatments and interventions. So I do have to be kind of in my right mind to do that. I mean, it sounds like, you know, there's two things. I mean, work-life balance, obviously making sure that it's not something that you do all day, every day, but also having like, kind of diversity in what you do, which also you do. Like I write also, I do social media also. It's not like just constant only clients all the time. Cause that would be very, very onerous and you know, time to recharge, you know, time to not do things. So like this day, Friday, which is why I asked you if we could do something on, TikTok I don't have clients today so you know and and that's fine to take a day off really in my field 20 clients a week is considered full-time so and those are 45 minute sessions so like it doesn't seem like it would be full-time until you've been doing it for a few years and then it does I I see more than that now but you know still that's what's considered full-time and you wouldn't think that but there's also the note-taking there's also the you know all the stuff you got to do But it is, it's very hard to talk to people about sad stuff all the time. That's why some of what I'm doing is moving into coaching because with the coaching clients, they don't all come in with like, you know, suicidality, you know, I mean, there's, there's levels. So if people are coming in for like relationship coaching or like sex coaching is totally different than somebody who's struggling with debilitating depression after childhood trauma, like that's like pretty different ends of the spectrum. So, yeah, I mean, just hire more people, Ralph, and then you, like, outsource more shit. There you go.
0: Yeah. You know, I have um, attempted to kind of price myself out of basically put a premium. If you want to talk to the man, you know, it's going to cost you a little bit more. And uh, that doesn't really deter a lot of guys. A lot of guys are just in such a
1: do that. What ends up happening, which is what happened to me, is you end up working with only, like, super high achievers. So, like, I got now mostly, like, CEO type of people which is great because like they're usually like super fast and quick and they learn very quick and it's 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 very different but it is it is a different kind of um population you you're not i'm not seeing like everybody and i don't accept insurance but even like still i do the same thing as you my rates are higher and then my my therapists are are lower and that's based on how much you know other stuff you can provide what's interesting what people also have with you is a parasocial relationship you know what that is you heard of that
0: parasocial i, I would assume it
1: means that people feel like they are our friend because mm-hmm. they see us talk so much so like they kind of forget that is not bi-directional so that expedites the coaching so like if you've done all these youtubes and all these podcasts and everything same as me people come into coaching and they're like Oh, I am this template that you discussed and also this thing that you said and also that thing. Yeah. So like, they feel like they can hit the ground running because you provided that much content and that's mm. why you can like jump right into coaching and it can be like at a premium because they feel that you already know that, you know,
0: And it's funny. They also will cut you off mid sentence and say, "Yeah, yeah, I-, I heard you talk about that on that podcast the other day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. man, you're stealing some of my thunder here. You know, I had a little speech prepared. He's like, yeah, I've already heard that before. And uh, th- th- they know, you know, personal information about me. Yeah, I know about your wife and where she's from. I know this. I'm like, really? It's like, oh, yeah, I did talk about that, you know, last year in a podcast. So these people pay attention. They watch every yeah, They thing. pay
1: attention. They're really trying to learn. But yeah, you'll see like the more that you price yourself up, then that just means that you turn into somebody who's only for a certain bracket which, you know, is positive and negative. But I mean, for short term, well, how many kids you got there, you got to send to college, right? So, I mean, yeah. for short term, positive.
0: <laughs> one of the negative is if, if you do price yourself into a certain echelon of uh, earners, um, you know this better than anybody, you tend to see more of the narcissistic tendencies in people.
1: Yeah, Well, these are the big people. Like, if you can be the head of a company, then you're gonna have some narcissistic traits. I mean, that was my CEO podcast, you know? I mean, there's just, If you're an outside the box thinker, you're an outside the box thinker for better and for worse, you know, and the why sometimes can't deal with it. As you heard in my podcast, like they're just like, can't you just fucking be normal? And they're like, normal got us this ski chalet, you know, so it's like, (laughs) you know, like very, it's, it's very different, but I like working with like a whole range of people. And honestly, the, the the smarter, the better, like the people who are more verbally quick, the people who are going to like the posts and the podcast are the people who like to engage quickly on that verbal level. So then the work is more interesting and that can also negate some of the burnout. If you feel like you're being challenged, the burnout comes when you're like, Oh my God, I've heard this story for the eighth time today. This is the same, same interaction that I'm having basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My burnout is probably in the form of, and it's, I recognize this because of the personal baggage and the prejudice that I bring to the to the topic. Is you know, you hear these guys I'd be like, "Well, my wife, you know, had the affair, and I caught her, and then we worked it out, went to counseling, then I caught her again, and we worked it out, and she moved out, and then she came back, and we caught her again." And you are just sitting there, kind of like, "I am seeing a pattern here, dude." And then you know, I, I have a guy who was famously caught his wife six times in different affairs, and just, just keeps work, trying to work it out and try to work it out. And then usually, it's not just a matter of she stepped out oops it's usually she stepped out and then while she's out she's also stepped on the neck so to speak of the husband and really treats him like dirt and you just see these guys that are very codependent and it's just you just want to shake them by the shoulders and go dude snap out of it those are the ones that really
1: always that comes from childhood issues you know that always comes from being treated bad as a kid or seeing one parent treated bad by the other parent I mean, whenever anybody of either gender comes in and they say that my spouse struggles with addiction, all I say is, which of your parents was addicted? And they're Mm -hmm. always like, how did you know that? Well, shit, how did I know that? Because who's going to be drawn to an addict? They didn't seem like an addict. Then when we go through it, there's all these red flags. And this could be a work addict exercise addict like any kind of addict not just drugs, gaming shopping any of it you know and in these cases a lot of times people are drawn to drama addicts you know mm-hmm. emotion addicts it doesn't have to be a se- sex addict is one thing but it's not only about sex so a lot of those people are just like addicted to attention and so then you got like the codependent guy or woman that's married to this person who's just addicted to attention and validation from other people, you know, in yep, that manner yep. through sex, through flirting, through inappropriate, you know, boundaryless friendships or whatever, you know.
0: You nailed it. The boundarylessness is it. It's uh, a, a, ter- a phrase that I often hear coming out of my mouth with these men is, "Your spouse is not necessarily a bad person." that's, that's the knee jerk is that they're evil. They're the devil. They're, no, they're just a broken or damaged little girl who has a lot of baggage. And part of that baggage has manifested itself to the point where she has zero boundaries and she just lets it all in. And when she gets a little bit of attention because she's a pretty good looking woman, uh, there she goes and away she goes It makes her feel good. You get a lot of attention from others. And uh, I know you don't necessarily ag- agree with this sentiment, but the sentiment I have, and it's sometimes the, the simplest answer is the right one. And it's just, I'm sorry. She's just not really cut out for this whole spouse thing, and not everybody is. Not at the current mental state that she is in. She may be ten, fifteen, twenty years down the line after a lot of good hard work and introspection on herself. Good luck waiting on that. Yeah. But as of right now, you're trying to mold somebody into something that they're not, and uh, you yeah. know, good good luck with that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, sometimes people can be motivated to change for the children's sake, you know, and that's the biggest one for women in particular is to work on themselves for the sake of the kids. And for the men, it's the same thing. Like I say, like, do you want your son to have a wife that acts the way that, you know, right now that your marriage is going? Like, do you want your son or your daughter or anybody to be in this dynamic? And they say, no. You know, and that's like, do you want you like that's the biggest question that people can ask themselves to, kind of really have an epiphany. Is would you want your kids to be in this marriage? Well, I mean, if not, then then you either got to change it or get out of it because this is the marriage they're going to be in for sure. We don't know yet whether they're going to be the problem or the enabler. You know, like we don't know mm-hmm. it's either or because that's the only template they know, so it's going to be one or the other.
0: Here's the uh, here's the kicker, though. If you're a therapist and you sit down and you you point to the 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 person who's stepping out of the marriage and you say um do you want to work this out yes i do and you say well be honest why well i don't want my kids to grow up in a broken home, like i did i i I want them to grow up in a good stable environment so are you saying cheater person that um you're only hanging around because of kids not necessarily because for him or her and in your love and devotion to him or her and they got to be honest and say yeah if it wasn't for little Billy and Sally, the kiddos, I'd probably be long gone. And that's really sad for the other person here. And from what I've seen, the more, um, I guess, self-worth, self-confidence, self, whatever you want to call it, that the other person has, if they hear that, like I'm only here for the family unit, the stability, the whatever, and they're just, that just turns them off even more and drives the, uh, the, the victim in that scenario away even further.
1: Yeah. And it's really both though. I mean, you know, like the guy who's staying or the woman that stays with the alcoholic or the cheater or whatever, you know, they're frequently staying for the kids too. You know, I mean, there are just so many couples that are just staying for the kids it's on both sides.
0: Well, I'd say what I I hear often is uh, when I ask them, dude, what are you doing? What's going on? They, uh, many of them will point to, and it sounds silly, but it's true. um, You don't understand this wasn't my wife for the first so many X number of years of our marriage. It was a dream. It was four or five years of, I'm telling you, it was amazing. And then something happened. And usually that's something is kids, and, you know, kids came into the picture and things just slowly, but surely started. And then she just went off the rails and she's cheating and she's drinking and she's doing everything. What I want is not necessarily just to stick around because the kid, that is an important thing, but really yeah, what want I want to get
1: the honeymoon stage back,
0: I'm, I'm hoping we can get the honeymoon stage back. Cause I never felt more alive ever in my life than at that point. Right. And I love her to death and they cling on to that, that image of that woman, you know, wife 1.0 and I'm like, you're not getting that back, dude.
1: That person's gone. The, the on both ends, you know. I mean, the Mister Romantic is gone. The sexy woman is gone. I mean, the honeymoon stage is not retrievable. Generally, there's three stages in any relationship: it's the honeymoon stage, the uh, disillusionment stage, and then acceptance. So whenever we, uh, I especially see couples, is in the uh, disillusionment stage. And so some couples can work through that and move toward acceptance, and some people just split up in disillusionment, or they stay in disillusionment forever. You know, so the the reality is that the honeymoon stage, nobody even comes into therapy. I have like long term clients. If they like meet somebody new, it's like, why are we even doing therapy? Because they're just oh, everything's fine. Oh, now everything's good. You yeah. know, it's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, it's nice. It's good. But like the reality is if you grew up with parents that stayed in a disillusionment phase because they were unhappily together or that split in the disillusionment phase, then you have no template for how to move through that into acceptance. And acceptance is acceptance of yourself and the other person. It doesn't preclude work obviously on the relationship, but it's just kind of seeing things more clearly that there will never be the return to the honeymoon stage. That wasn't real. That was a lust fueled, you know, biological stage to make a baby. It doesn't go back to that, but it could go to something deeper, like a more attachment driven, you know, life building partnership, you know. And of course, you could still be having sex, et cetera, but nothing's ever going to be like the honeymoon stage again, because you're basically like drunk on new love. It's like you're just drunk. It's not real.
0: Well, I would contend that you don't you can't go back to the honeymoon stage 100 percent, but you can see blips on the radar that remind you of the old you. And that, that in turn, that, that is as a result of getting away, just the two of you, away from the kids, away from the domestic unit of, of the home and the family and everything else and becoming just the two of you again. That's when you see those blips. That's yeah fun.
1: sure you can and you can like feel more and less in love with somebody for women they do every month when they ovulate the guy <laughs> looks, <laughs> yeah. he looks handsome that day yeah. <laughs> or that week but you know i mean in reality the the problem comes when people start to um as i said that like the next time that we do a pre-scheduled um youtube it um should be about perimenopause and menopause and um and a lot of guys think like that their wife who's in her 40s or 50s is just like one couple's vacation away from acting like she's 20 years old no she's not she's fucking 20 years away from that so she's not gonna act like that yeah you could have like a fun night going out dancing and having sex but then the next day she's texting with the kids and her like she's anxious about this or that and so are you and like you have to make money and she has to do what she does and like it some people, especially those aforementioned guys that like run companies and like are big movers and shakers, sometimes it's very hard for them to say like that they literally um, cannot just make the world into what they wanted with a recaptured endless honeymoon stage. That's why I have my podcast I titled Can't Buy Me Love. The richer they get, the more they think that maybe somehow I buy everything else. Can I just get back that thing? You can never get back back to that thing you can get a different thing you there know
0: you i was just going to say a, a lot of men especially your let's go back 10 minutes ago when we talked about the, the more narcissistic types um they do get back that thing in the form of uh well, it's, the italians call it the gumar or uh whatever you want the little the little the side piece the little yes. um, there, some are, people, some, there are some
1: and they go see like high-class hookers a whole bunch i mean like there are many ways to feel young but those are generally some you know people don't tend to i find those as fulfilling in the long run almost every man wants to remain in love with some version of his wife but some of them think that like that version of his wife is just never gonna change i am just astonished always by like how people will just negate literal like biology and aging and i see it more and more you know like, like just they they don't feel that like as you get older anything's supposed to change at all of course always it does it. your yes. children change and i have a good analogy with these guys i'm like You know how like your wife doesn't want your kids to grow up and she still wants them to keep hanging out and playing like Parcheesi with you instead of like going out to the mall with their friends and you think that she's being, you know, smothering and crazy? The equivalent is when you want her to act like she's 25 when she's 45. Because she's not. It's a different stage. I like a couple guys actually said, you know what, that was a really good analogy because I'm always telling my wife, why don't you let the kids grow up? But then I don't think about it with her, you know? She's going to grow up too, in a sense. Doesn't mean she has to be sexless, obviously, certainly not. But is she going to grow up? Yes. She's going to change her priorities, her body, her brain are always going to be evolving.
0: Mm Hmm. But, but unfortunately for men that, that evolving, that process of, of change and aging means that, that, that sweet, cute, bouncy, loving, lustful stage is diminished, if not shut off completely. And yep. that is what, that is what we, to be quite honest with you, are wired to react to. I mean, hello, there's totally. this thing, there's, there's this thing called pornography and, 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 uh, sex workers. I think, and
1: well, so I, I don't know that word. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and, and sex workers and everything else that, that prey on that, on that need, that desire. Um, oh, yeah,
1: sure. And the girlfriend experience, you know, that, that, that whole idea of being the, the, the hooker, that's like the girlfriend though. And she kisses and she says, you're cute and all this stuff totally but like it's the same thing i have a podcast coming out that's like men want like young cuddly bubbly women just like how women love young cuddly bubbly kids like everybody idealizes everybody wants that little kid like oh he gives hugs and kisses instead of a moody teenager that's like how men like that you know kind of young acting woman but is she always gonna act like that certainly not can she do it sometimes for fun yeah especially it's interesting especially if people think about it as do you have to go? You said you had to go in like two minutes. You have to go in two minutes? Me? Yeah, you said you um, had to
0: long what time is it? Totally. Yeah, uh, here soon. soon. Yeah. Soon.
1: Soon. Well anyway. Um yeah, so like a lot of women respond better to thinking like he almost like wants this for a night can you be flirtatious and fun like as though it's like a fetish of his almost like as though it like you know sometimes women will do something different in bed right so if you say oh he wants you to kind of act in this flirtatious way sometimes then they can get behind it. Oh, sometimes. Okay, I could do that sometimes as like, you know, a nice thing to do for him, but where they really start to feel inadequate and angry and resentful is when the guy saying he wants them to return to that woman wholly. And they're like, I don't even know that woman, that version of myself. So like they can do it if it's framed in a different kind of a way as like, kind of like a practical gift to give their husband periodically, like dressing up in lingerie versus that. He's not going to be happy unless they wholly return to a younger version of themselves, which is impossible. You know,
0: I, I tell you what's really tough. Um, And this is, um, I'm raising my hand, is this my personal experience, I was in a marriage for, the relationship was 20 years, marriage for 15, and of course I saw all the stages and got to the eventual stage of just blondness, and we were just buddies living under the same roof. And then all the drama and awfulness happened, and then I'm thrusted out into the single world, and then you get a taste of the good life from a man's perspective. And to be able to, uh, Oh, what's the, what's the term for the genie back in the bottle and <laughs> just say that was fun while it lasted. But now back to the more domestic sure. even keel stuff. It's like uh, a lot of men in that stage, post-divorce dating, uh, they got a good head on their shoulders. They don't look too bad. They got some charms are able to get some dates and have their physical needs met. They're like, I kind of enjoy this. You know, if you want to look at the, the, the blip of like, um, yeah me or whatever it's it's like this i urge like, I
1: don't my clients not here. to remarry too quickly if they're loving it you know like i yeah. urge them to be real sure that you want to remarry of course they all remarry, but you know what i mean
0: well uh, you say they all we're seeing far less now it's uh 90
1: percent uh, of my clients will still remarry i mean people just love to pair bond you know they, they really do. they're like prairie voles.
0: Uh, and you know, we're missing some, before we wrap up here, there are comments that we missed out on how he says as hurtful as it is, divorce was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. And, uh, Howie, was that because of, well, there's a lot of ways he, that could be a good thing. because you know, you left a toxic situation or because of all the awesome sex that you're having, <laughs> uh, except for the time he misses with his son, of course. Yes, of uh, course. Um, yeah, now I'm, you the know, we we a the
1: relationship, the less I want it. A lot of people think that men and women think that women remarry less than men.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned it in a video, and a lot of men don't like to hear it. When we pull people to say who's the happiest, the people that go to the top of that survey as far as self-reported happiness are single women.
1: <laughs> yeah, single women do whatever the fuck they want, you know. So it's like I yeah. mean, so do single men, but the men really are men are more romantic than women. They really
0: are and I say that over and over. I do too. I always say men are the hopeless romantics in a relationship and women are far more pragmatic about things. In the later stages of the relationship.
1: Yeah, like this guy, not sure I would remarry. I would uh, do my motorbikes and snowboard every winter. Yeah, a lot of guys go into the hobby lifestyle. They get like way into friends, way into casual sex if they want, and then that's that. But the majority still do want to be monogamously involved once they fall in love. You know, I mean, that's just human nature.
0: So Particularly- there's, the, there, there's there's the rub then. It's the... Um- i want to have my uh pair bonding there's there's a lot of pushback against that term if that's the proper term or not the um, genuine emotional uh, intellectual connection with a human being go through life with some a partner to go through life with but i also want that lustful animalistic uh rip your clothes off stuff and uh for- i'll tell you
1: i work with a lot of pragmatic guys they date younger by the time their sex drive abates she's going into menopause it works out <laughs> if, you're, if you're 50 no think about you are you're so let's say you're 55 years old right so you marry a woman who's 40 she's done having kids so she's just going into perimenopause and you're like moving it locks that by the time your penis really doesn't work then she doesn't care anymore you know but i mean i really do think not that either one of us did this i think but if i was a man in my next life i would go 10 years younger i just think it makes sense biologically.
0: Well, you of know? course it does, but that's uh, you're you're probably in the minority of women saying that because a lot of women say that, hear that and go, ew, yeah, dude, I no.
1: Those, 10 years is another 40 to 50. Nobody should be complaining about 20 to 30 is weird, but 40 to 50 <laughs> is like, you know, that makes sense. But that's what I think. But, you know, I have lots of unpopular opinions as do you. Yeah.
0: Well, my wife is uh, seven years, six, seven years younger than me.
1: So you did and- what I said. My husband is only 18 months older
0: and when we met um she looked quite a bit younger than me and that raised a lot of eyebrows and some people got you know downright nasty about it and we had to always correct them no she's 30 some years old oh okay well she looks good for her age and so i was like what the hell is the matter if she wasn't anyway (laughs) mind your own damn business but there is a stigma out there of the the lecherous guy going after the young girl um And Howie thinks is Howie. I'm sorry to have my glasses on here. Do I have reading glasses um, Howie
1: said that's more or less? Why I just kind of stopped dating for now. Howie also started blacksmithing. Howie sounds like a very well-rounded dude. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, and, you know, you talk about guys going to the hobby phase and so forth. We still have very physical and emotional needs of, of uh, getting with women. And uh, um, uh, like I say, if you have a little bit of looks and some charm and so forth, oh, my gosh, the world is your oyster and um and the fact that i can go on a literal app and just say i think i'll pick cindy tonight and um that doesn't bode well for genuine long-term relationships when us men can get my motorbike and my 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 snowmobile and cindy on wednesday that easy it's like well of course they kind of stay you
1: guys have just been hurt you know then they really have a guard up so they like more of the casual stuff but as soon as cindy turns into the love of your life most guys are walking down the aisle again
0: um here's a, you know, this is a, this is not a quick question, but it's maybe something for later. Um, maybe something to write on, uh, do you see men who were formally anxiously attached Mr. Codependent type guys? I know that's a blending of two terms there, but, um, it goes, goes through a, tr- a traumatic situation. gets hurt in a big, big way and becomes a very avoided almost quasi narcissistic type of guy.
1: Yeah, totally. People switch between avoidant and uh, preoccupied, which is anxious all the time. They just don't go to secure. So unless they get Mm -hmm. therapy, then they just vacillate endlessly based on their, um, you know, based on their circumstance. So it's very easy for somebody who's anxious in one relationship to be avoidant in the other, because they only know one pattern. So the way that you really got to look at it is if they're going to be anxious, and be attracted to an avoidant that's what they saw growing up was one anxious parent one avoidant. so then they know one dynamic but they could play both sides of that because they know yeah. both of those scripts so yeah. based on the next dynamic they could do either one what they never saw was securely attached like um genuinely loving connected partnership. so that one they don't know how to do that script but the other two they're good at so they could yeah. just choose.
0: It doesn't help with our young men out there that we have a lot of material that's geared yeah. the, the "quote unquote" red pill stuff, which is basically appeals to your anxious guys and says, you know, the remedy to your problem is you need to swing the pendulum all the way over to the avoidance side. Yeah, and, and, and close it really up. Don't
1: don't. So mad, unless she's avoidant, then it'll work. They'll just live separate lives, but you know, or if she's like totally borderline, then they'll get like total hysterical bonding for a little bit, but she'll also light them on fire. So it's not a good look either way. But yeah, I don't ever say that shit. Like I have podcasts on inspiring dread. Fuck no, not with a healthy woman. And at this stage of the game, most men have kids. So any woman that inspiring dread is going to work with, don't bring around your children because she is not stable. You know, and it just does not work long term for any healthy woman. Most healthy women are like, You're not telling me where you're going tonight? Fuck you. Why would I be in this relationship? What are we, children? You know, so it's it's um that sort of like negging. Yeah, the negging is the stupidest one. You know, the pickup artist negging stuff. Oh, you say you know, a lot of
0: that a lot of that stuff I think is is grounded in some reality of it's all about in the presentation. Um I my wife has accused me of being a flirt. And she thinks it's kind of cute. Why? Because I'm not lecherous and, you know, overly sexual about it but or whatever. It's just,
1: her, why are you wearing that shirt today? Or like if, whatever the negs
0: If I talk to a girl or whatever, I guess I just naturally kind of be befriend them and tease them. And even if she's the most beautiful thing in the world, I'm just like normal. Like I'm talking to anybody else. And my wife says, you know, you're a very flirty guy. You know that, don't you? And it's like, really she's like yeah it's like you know i don't mean to be and i guess if i look at why it is i'm considered kind of a flirty maybe some of that would be kind of i don't negging's too hard of a term but it's you know natural normal teasing not in a worshipy just talking to a beautiful woman like she's anybody else type of thing i think that's
1: yeah which is good but the negging stuff is specifically on purpose designed to throw the woman off balance so the women that are going to respond are the women that used to are used to getting treated like shit
0: <laughs> true. Well, there people. is a um, there's a lot of material out there that you can read that appeals to a lot of those back to the narcissistic CEO type guys um, in uh, in the realm of um oh, what's the word uh, negotiating and trying to get a sale or try to get a better deal from somebody and so forth and uh, power moves. And one of those power moves is to not be consistently a certain way the whole time. Throw them a curveball every now and then. Right. And and make them throw them off balance and say, where's this guy coming from? And and people that are in power naturally do that. One day you'll go in to visit the CEO and you leave going, oh, my God, am I going to get fired tomorrow? And then the next day he makes you feel like his best friend. He always always keeping you on your toes, always unsteady. So that doesn't necessarily. That dynamic doesn't necessarily uh, apply just to romantic relationships, you want to call it. That's kind of a very narcissistic ploy for any kind of human relationship.
1: And there's other plenty of actually other good CEOs are just usually kind, you know, because they have the power that they can be. And those are the ones that are more healthy. And I mean, the ones that manipulate grew up in a home where they got manipulated. It's just one-to-one correspondence. And then they're going to manipulate their kids and manipulate their wife and manipulate everybody. How we ask you how to approach dating as a single father. I assume he asks you,
0: you read one of your books. Well, that's kind of a big, big picture question. How do you approach dating? I don't know you approach dating the exact same way you would anytime. I I always um, cringe when I hear guys that, um, there is a case to be made of you're an older guy or gal and you know what it is you want in life and it's very healthy and secure to sit down with a potential partner and say, just so you know, This is my life plan for the next 15, 20, whatever years of my life that I have left. I want to get married again. I'm no kids. I want to live in the country. I want to have a dog and I want to, to me, maybe this is my avoidance side. If I sit down with somebody and say, Hey, Alice, nice to meet you for coffee. For the first time, and she starts up with that speech. I'm going to be like, check, boring.
1: you want to get out. It seems very like boring and rigid.
0: And it seems a little to me clingy, a little too like you've just you just skipped to step twenty seven here. I just learned your name was Alice.
1: I always tell people not to do that long list of yeah. requirement shit.
0: That's to me, well, it, but in Alice's defense, it's. I'm secure. I know what I want. Let's not beat around the bush here. If, you, if you're, why bother going down the, the road of getting to know each other? If this is abhorrent to you, Mr. Date man possibility, you know, potential partner. Um, yeah. I can see their, I can see their point of view, but it doesn't sit well with me. I, I'm with you on that. It always makes me cringe. So yeah, it's don't, don't lead with, I'm a dad of three. I was divorced. I'm overcoming it, blah, blah, blah. It's just, I just want to get to know you and enjoy spending time with you. And if, if we click, then uh, how about we go to the movie Saturday? just, you know, who cares? (laughs) And if, if, in the end, after three or four days like this isn't for me, then that's cool. Not a big deal. Um, So, yeah. Um, I'm I'm good at ironing. All right, then.
1: (laughs) You can lead with that on Tinder. That should be your subtitle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good at ironing.
0: Uh, All right. Well, I think we need to call her quits here a little late. Call
1: her quits. All right. Well, we'll plan something to do on YouTube or whatever, right?
0: Facebook, yeah.
1: Facebook. Facebook, I will not do. It did not work. We would have to have so much practice. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Ralph. Have a good day, okay?
0: Samantha. Thank you. You have a good one.
1: Bye. Bye-bye. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.
0: If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement you probably consume a lot of information, like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you, am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on -on one-on-one coaching with myself, and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.